0: Hey, Curiosphere. This is Suraj. And I'm Pratham. On this channel, we generally discuss our thoughts and have a deep talk on an intriguing topic. But since this is our second episode of Nomadic Conversations, we don't decide on a topic and one of us asks a surprise random question, and we see where the conversation takes us. So Pratham, uh, I want to start off with a scenario actually, and then I want to see what you have for it.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: This is a situation where Let's say there's a thief and uh, he goes to a random store. He robs the store, kills the clerk, and then he runs away. But now as he's fleeing, he falls and let's say he hits his head on his uh, head on the pavement or something like that and uh, he suffers a brain injury and that includes amnesia. Like he doesn't even remember his name or anything from the past. Now then the man regains his ability to think and think and all that. But he still doesn't remember the crime that he committed. So now, do you think, the should the man be prosecuted for the crime he
1: committed? Wow, oh, okay. That's interesting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I have my own uh, view, view about it, and I've researched a lot into what the law says about it. But yeah, I want to hear your thoughts on this.
1: I don't know. I think that kind of goes into uh, what the point of punishment is and, you know, whether we should be a society that punishes its criminals or rehabilitates them. But, uh, yeah, I'm torn on that a little bit. I think maybe not a strict punishment, but uh, something less intense would be okay because he did commit the crime after all. But I don't know, since he's got amnesia now, it feels kind of evil to punish someone. (laughs) Yeah. What do you think about it?
0: Uh, Yeah, even actually before getting to that, like I wanted to just uh, flip that question and ask, let's say you just randomly, you go to sleep today and tonight and tomorrow morning you just randomly wake up in a hospital and someone says that, okay, you had suffered an amnesia and uh, you don't remember what happened the last two days and in those last two days you committed a crime and now people are going to prosecute of, uh, you for that like but you do you have no like not a single shred of memory of that
1: oh, wow okay
0: <laughs> how would you as the actual person being prosecuted would feel
1: yeah not fair at all i think i would <laughs> probably protest a lot <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know, do do I believe in a fair and just society, like that I'm living in a society that is fair, in that case, I would probably believe and maybe Mm -hmm. go through with a very reduced sentence or something like that. (laughs) I mean, I don't think they would give me a choice in the matter, so... (laughs) But yeah, it seems absolutely crazy.
0: though. (laughs) Yeah, when I was researching about this, and even actually my own view... I think it's linked back to our identity being tied, if it's being tied to memory. So we had a discussion on this on our identity episode and we were discussing whether our identity is nothing but a collection of our memories. I th- that was my view at least in that episode, like we are just a collection of our memories and experiences. So I think if you buy into the idea of identity being related to memory, then I'm guessing no, because the person that robbed and murdered uh, the clerk is not the same person as the person being prosecuted.
1: Hmm. Okay. I see what you mean.
0: Yeah. So I think if you buy into that idea, so probably no. But uh, but again, this can have like dire consequences, like if they pass the law that if someone doesn't remember or they suffer an amnesia and they forgets their crime they shouldn't be prosecuted then people can start saying that oh shit like even i forgot my crime why am i here and yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: how do you sort out the liars
0: exactly so yeah it, it can have like bad repercussions if they actually pass a law like that
1: I mean, it's probably be a special case instead of having a regular law for something like that, since it wouldn't be a very often, you know, commonplace scenario. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'm curious to know if this actually happened. Like, is this from a real case or something?
0: Uh, not that I know of. Like, I couldn't find any cases where this happened. Okay. But it's uh, an interesting thought experiment, I thought, just to think about it.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm still thinking about it, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have other views for it also. So let's say, even though he doesn't have the memory, but his thought process is still the same, right? Like his upbringing, the things that influenced him to be who he is currently, that's still the same. But again, however, that alone doesn't make him a culprit because you know that we all know that. Just because you have the tendency to create a crime, no one can arrest you. You actually have to create the crime, and. If he, um, oh, sorry, commit the crime, let's <laughs> just say create.
1: <laughs> yeah, but 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 I have a point here. Like, even generally, even if he didn't lose his memory, to convict him mm-hmm. of any crime, uh, there would still be some evidence required, right? So even in this case, let's say he did forget his crime and now he suffers from amnesia. Without any proof mm-hmm. or evidence, we wouldn't be able to pass a sentence on it, on that person anyways. So...
0: Okay, so now I'm a, I'm actually assuming there's actually a video recording of this guy committing a crime. I just wanted to discuss the implications from that person's point of view, where he doesn't have... he doesn't remember anything. That even if you show him the video, he doesn't feel like he, he believes you. He, like, he won't believe you. Like, he's feeling everyone else is like just concocting some random story yeah Mm. conspiring against him Mm. so i'm i'm imagining that situation
1: even still it's pretty interesting because i was just thinking from a law perspective how does the law make Mm -hmm. sure that it's right in such situations like that and then i was just like hold on wait is there some evidence or something Uh, Mm -hmm. but what if it's his word against only one other person and you know it's pretty interesting actually
0: Yeah, yeah, true. I think from a law perspective, it comes down to the question of... uh, So, there was an interesting argument, like I was just reading through uh, Reddit. So, one said that it's justice versus punishment. So, if you just wanted punishment, then yeah, like go ahead and punish him because he has done the crime. And you have the video showing that uh, he has done the crime. But if you want justice, but I feel then it's a bit tricky. Like, he probably isn't the same man and... Yeah, just like I told you if you imagine yourself waking up one day and you know that you've lost 2 days of your life and you can't remember those 2 days and you've actually committed a crime. But it's not you like you feel that people are conspiring against you and saying that you committed the crime. So I think it uh, it comes down to the question of prosecuting crime to deter others from doing so. Uh, like I said if we make a rule that if a person forgets a crime he committed he won't be then he won't be prosecuted others will use the same reason even though they committed the crime so that's another thing to uh, think about
1: yeah for sure I think yeah I got reminded of this uh, quote that I read long back I don't remember the exact quote but it was something along the lines of uh, society should aspire to help its uh, wrongdoers not just punish them so going off of that uh, I don't think there would be any sense of trying to radically punish that person anyways uh, if we try to, you know, implement a society where criminals are, some help is, uh, I mean, some amount of restrictive freedom along with some help is provided instead of just uh, critical or radical punishment. In that case, even situations like these could be accounted for. But uh, I don't know how ideal that is and uh, how -hmm. realistic it can be.
0: Yeah, that's true. You know, actually, there's a very neat way to deal with this. Like, like I was just researching about this, and I found out one. So, according to the U.S. law, there's a way described by U.S. law, which I feel is kind of better and helps deal with this situation. So they tell that you need to have two things, uh, for you to be found guilty. So one is actus rea and mens rea. So actus like both are Latin terms. Actus rea means having done the act. And mensriya means having the mental state of knowing what you were doing. So now, since the person was knowing what he was doing while committing the crime, regardless of whether he remembers it now or what else, we can still charge him. Because uh, at the time of him committing the crime, he knew what he was doing. And he still went on with it.
1: But when you say his memory is lost completely, do we also mean all his habits and other things that he continues to do? Or is it... Uh, just a recollection is capability is lost.
0: We can probably take both of those cases, because if if his habits is still there, then I feel again it's a strong reason to you know punish him because he still is the same person. He has the same upbringing and exactly. But yeah. So, but what do you think about that law? That U.S. law where uh, you have uh, you have to do the act and you have to have the mental state of knowing what you're doing when you did the act, and only then you can be charged guilty.
1: Pretty cool, actually. I think it sounds pretty stable and it would work. uh, I think, I mean, it's a solid principle, it sounds like. It would be hard to determine on a case-by-case basis. The second thing, uh, I think the first one is just basic proof and evidence, Mm -hmm. determining whether the mental state is sufficiently, you know, available for that person to be aware of what they're doing. That may be arguable in some cases. But it's definitely interesting. I think it's a nice uh, way of looking at it. And I mean, no wonder that they're doing... They're a pretty good country doing well in the world and leading the world.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, th- I felt it was a really neat little lot to deal with this. But, <laughs> you know, with the advancement of technology, I feel that... Uh, have you heard about deepfakes? mm mm-hmm. Okay, so deepfake is basically... You can take any video if you have the right data set of another person, you can superpose the face of one person to the person being in the actual video. Oh, okay. So it's like I can record myself saying some, some nonsense. I can, I can put Donald Trump's face uh, onto my face. So it feels like he's saying that.
1: But uh, <laughs> that might be real in a lot of cases too. <laughs> <laughs> might yeah. it might be hard to distinguish which is the actual stupid thing he said and which is the deep fake
0: <laughs> yeah true that <laughs> but i wanted to discuss the implications of that in this case so let's say like deepfakes deepfakes are already there it's no joke so let's say if someone can fake a video which shows a man committing a crime even though he didn't but maybe we can simply say that he doesn't have the memory of it but the crime was actually done We can easily use deepfake for it. So let's say if someone is, uh, I'm actually conspiring against you and I want you to be prosecuted. All I have to do is just create a deepfake of you. And uh, even though you claim that you haven't done that or you don't have the memory of it, it doesn't matter. Like if we pass a law where people can't just claim that they've lost their memory and they shouldn't be prosecuted, it might be a difficult situation here, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, even irrespective of losing your memory, this can be done to a normal person also yeah. like, who hasn't lost their memory. So it's kind of a tricky, sticky situation. I mean, I'm guessing there is some technology to differentiate between the deepfake and the real video also, right?
0: Yeah, people are working on that, but uh, again, it's 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 very hard.
1: Okay, okay. It's
0: not something, yeah. And they can't give a perfect answer like yes or no. It's just on probabilities. Yeah, it might be like 70% probability that it's a deep fake, something like that.
1: Okay, okay. Okay, anyways, coming back to our. Uh, huh, interesting again uh, to think about that.
0: <laughs> yeah. But
1: that goes off into this whole thing about what qualifies as evidence and what doesn't, and what we can take for proof and what we can't.
0: Hmm. So, you know, because we were um, discussing on this topic that uh, other people might be conspiring against you and uh, you can't trust them, that actually brings me to this topic of solipsism. Have you heard about it?
1: Mm -hmm. No.
0: Okay, so solipsism is just this idea that the only thing you can be sure of is the existence of your own mind. And outside of it, no matter what it is or who it is, like, you can't really be sure of it. Or everyone else can be, for all you know, a philosophical zombie. So they just react to the input, but yeah, they're they're not like conscious thinking minds. So that's the idea of solipsism. So uh, I feel that if this situation actually happens to one of us, where we're just trying to be, you know, we're we're just being prosecuted and you have no recollection of it. I think (laughs) we will start believing in solipsism and you start distrusting others. But what do you think about the solecism idea itself?
1: You know, I've thought about it, but I didn't know there was a word for it. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I would always think like what is real and what is not. Like how, like for example, some fact that I've read in a science book or something also. How do I really know it's true? Like, do I really know it? Have I really experienced it or can I really say that it's true? It's just that someone else has verified it, experienced it and probably a few more other people have done it and it can be done so we take it for a fact and i believe in it too but like really what is true and how much of it is real in my experience if i think about it from that perspective i i feel like okay i really don't know anything except the little experience that i have from my life so Mm -hmm. i've kind of thought about it but i just didn't know there was like a concept like that and there was like a word for it and thought experiments around it and stuff but yeah, I mean, also a shout out in case you guys find the concept of Philosophical Zombie interesting, go check out our episode on P-Zombies, uh, I think you'll find it fascinating. But yep. yeah, uh, what is your question again? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, my question, uh, it was just like, what's your thought on solipsism? Like, do you think that it's actually the case where you can be sure of only about yourself? Can we ever really be sure about others? Uh,
1: well, about others I'm not really sure, but I think it's, okay, actually I take a little bit of a view of the cosmological principle in this case, uh, where, like, do, are you aware of it? I think you must know. So basically it's the principle that no position in space enjoys a special position. Uh, every direction is huh, random yeah. and more or less things are spread out in evenly if you look at it in a big enough scale so there's no center of the universe every direct like every direction is a direction and uh, it goes on infinitely as far as it's understood now at least so there's no special position in the universe or there's no central point so i I feel the same thing goes for people as well like for example if i started thinking that solipsism was true and i can only be sure of myself and others maybe philosophical zombies or things that they're saying and doing may not actually be true I kind of would evoke that principle and think why would I enjoy a special position in this human world like what's special about me why would I be the center of this uh, whole construction so if applying that logic it wouldn't be that and probably I'm just deluding myself into thinking that do you get what I mean to Hmm. say
0: yeah yeah that's a really nice way of coming out of solipsism
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, it just suddenly kind of felt like, because I think if, I don't know if you're aware of this, a lot of teenagers actually have these thoughts of uh, people or everything conspiring against them and sometimes they think that, what if everything's happening just to rattle me up, kind of, Then they start having a lot of negative thoughts and start getting depressed and stuff. So, I mean, it's kind of obvious that that's not the case, right, so thinking from that and having a little bit of a space perspective I, it, that that was the only thought that suddenly came to my mind like why would they enjoy a special position in the universe or in the human society I mm. don't know it's random right.
0: but wait is the cosmological principle based on the physical reality or is it okay so but uh, okay if it's just describing the physical things like nothing is the center of the universe then i think it's uh, doesn't it differ a bit for minds like conscious minds well because yeah because of our conscious minds we project the reality in a sense like only if my mind exists uh, the universe for me exists
1: yeah i'm with you so far
0: yeah so if we think in that direction if my mind doesn't ex- exist So for me, the universe doesn't exist and nothing with it. So I kind of feel that I am the creator of this universe in a sense. Like only because of me, the universe exists and I can perceive it. So in a way, this also gives me, uh, leads me in the direction that solipsism might be true because only because of my existence, I can feel and perceive uh, all the other things. And I can't really be sure of whether the other person feels the same too
1: yeah I buy into that but uh, I don't know the way I see it is yeah because you exist and you're able to perceive that's why you are that's why you have that perception so the physical apparatus is there for you to sense the existence of other stuff but the other stuff doesn't revolve around you like it's not made for you or rather it's like you're not enjoying a special position yes you have the apparatus to sense everything and it's just the framework it's not the intention behind the code do you get what i mean but how would i know
0: the actual intention
1: i mean, that I mean is if another it is the argument. actual intention yeah <laughs> yeah
0: that's true yeah my argument is that if that is the actual intention for me i i can definitely think that the entire u- like earth universe whatever all the Uh, characters in my life have been created just for me and um, probably there would be no way of knowing otherwise. Actually this brings into the idea of qualia also you remember I think it was in the philosophical zone episode where we discussed about qualia yeah even if someone really feels the pain there's no way of us telling understanding or seeing that pain yeah Yeah. we can't really see the exact color that they are seeing like my red is not the same as your red yeah Yeah, since there is no way, at least right now, to see what red the other person is seeing or to feel what the other person is exactly feeling, I'll still feel that there's a disconnect. Like, say, I take a pen or a knife and stab a person and they're screaming. Between those two incidents, I would still feel it's a disconnect and they're just philosophical philosophical zombie. I give an input, they provide an out. But at least right now, there's no technology to see what happens between those two.
1: Yeah, I mean, right now we won't be able to determine that and that's an established fact that it could be like, you can't prove that it's not. uh, Mm -hmm. But the same logic about proof goes into that, right? Just because you can't prove that it's not true doesn't. But even otherwise, I just like since we can't prove or disprove it, I was just trying to think practically like, that's why I was trying to think about that cosmological principle. But even otherwise, like, uh, what would be the reason for something like that to exist? That's what I was trying to kind yeah. of question, question over there. Yes, yes.
0: and I think this uh, neatly brings in another aspect of another tool which philosophers use, which is a razor. So, I don't know if you've heard about philosophical razors. So, they shave off so many stuff that just creates problems. So basically, I think um, Occam's razor, so that's uh, one of the philosophical tools, which says that like if you're stating something based on some huge assumption, like then it probably is not true. So when I'm saying uh, talking about solipsism, I'm making a huge assumption that every single conscious mind that I see, it's actually not conscious, it's a philosophical zombie. So that requires a huge assumption. At least for now, it probably might not be true. That's what Occam's razor offers us.
1: I actually have heard of that uh, Occam's Razor and uh, I saw it in that movie Contact actually. I think I told you about it, no? Did you watch it? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, I think the way she puts it in the movie is that basically all things considered equal, the simplest explanation tends to be the right one.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: It's a nice movie, guys. Go check it out if you haven't. It's one of the cornerstones of uh, I don't know, it's just a very classic sci-fi movie and it's by Carl Sagan so, the story is by Carl Sagan so, go check it out if you haven't yet it's a really amazing movie
0: wait, Carl Sagan wrote that?
1: yeah, the book damn I thought <laughs> it was by someone else no, no, it's fine but, uh, yeah, I think again, it's kind of uh, if you apply that Occam's razor to it it, it. it actually makes sense, right? It kind of goes in hand in hand with the cosmological principle and what I was trying to say that time. Uh, basically, that there would be no reason for that. Like assuming, making that big assumption that all other minds are just uh, pretend robots or philosophical zombies. There would be no mm-hmm. reason. Like there would be no intention behind that. And, they, uh, and it, it's not the simplest explanation. The simplest explanation is the fact that. Everyone has a equal capacity and capability, and consciously perceives the universe and everything around us, and has their own perception of things. But no one, yeah. like no one, has been given the special position of being the conscious mind, and everyone else plays into that game of serving them or creating situations for them. Mm-hmm. But that also reminds me of some of Asimov's writing. I don't know if you've read the last answer. I have. I have read you have? That. It's yes. awesome, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to ruin it for anybody who is listening in, but uh, basically, it's a conversation between uh, two beings. And one being is trying to achieve uh, an end end goal through the other one but yeah if it's a really short uh, kind of written piece it's i think it's just like some six or seven pages if i'm not wrong so guys if you haven't read it do check it out it's really amazing and pretty crazy yeah tell the name again the last answer
0: by isaac Asimov, right yeah, yeah i think i faintly recall it i think i should probably go and read it again mm. okay You know, this also reminds me about uh, what Carl Sagan stated once, which is, uh, extraordinary claims requires extraordinary evidence. (laughs) Amen. Yeah, (laughs) the more crazy your claim
1: is, (laughs)
0: the crazy evidence that you require to prove it. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah, so because we were discussing this uh, contact and Isaac Asimov, I just uh, got reminded about this movie I watched recently called Prometheus, have you watched it?
1: In parts.
0: In parts, okay.
1: So... So... So no. Okay.
0: (laughs) Uh, I had actually watched this long back, but uh, I don't know, I rewatched it again. And then, uh, you know, that movie has this concept of uh, panspermia, do you know about that? (laughs) Okay, so panspermia is the idea that all the life that... Uh, that exists on Earth, it actually didn't originate from Earth. It was seeded by another planet, or maybe another being in Earth.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: so there are like huge evidences for this also, like not because of some being uh, seeding it, but actually we could be the descendants of Mars. So there are huge, uh, you know, meteorites and all that that we've collected that has come from Mars. Uh, you know, during the initial stages of initial stages of Earth being bombarded by all those uh, asteroids, so we probably could be initial primitive cells on Mars, which was carried by asteroids and then crash landed onto Earth. So then being seeded on Earth.
1: Oh, okay. So yeah, mm. we
0: actually could be Martians, and we know that there was water uh, previously on Mars. So there probably was life, mm-hmm. like primitive life, like cells.
1: Okay. Yeah. When you mentioned panspermia I was thinking something like, you know, like the previous beings intentionally planned life on Earth and planted it and let it grow. Then I was just thinking, okay, then how would the first life originate? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Stuff like that. Uh,
0: that that's a roller coaster, right? <laughs> that probably doesn't have <laughs> yeah. yeah a proper answer, that meaningful answer we can come to. But yeah, it also could be that like there could be alien species with seeded life and just to watch us like how we're gonna you know live same theory for the computer simulation too but yeah coming back to this what i wanted to discuss was uh in that movie so there was this superior alien being and uh, that had seeded life on earth and humans later i don't know 2050 or 2070 they discover some cave paintings where there's this uh, you know star formations or uh, the star clusters and all this cave paintings from different parts of the earth they have this similar star formation so they were thinking like how can this be and uh, then they actually venture to that uh, particular star cluster and then they grab a hold of one alien's dead alien's dna and they match it with us and it's actually like a match then it's proved that we come from them
1: whoa
0: yeah it's it's crazy it's wild so and it has a dark ending <laughs> So, if people want to check it out, you can. But yeah, th- that got me thinking as to why would an alien being, if that's the case, why would they want to, you know, seed life onto different planets? I have a theory, and uh, which came out of the research. But do you have any idea about that?
1: Well, one thing comes to mind is maybe they just want to see the different possibilities of how life would develop and stuff. Another could be that because... Uh, living on any planet has its own dangers of life going extinct at some point so maybe just to make sure that life doesn't cease to exist plant it elsewhere and let it run wild wherever it can yeah but uh, yeah I'm not sure what do you have
0: that's exactly spot on actually (laughs) so it could be that yeah (laughs) so it could be that they wanted to you know see how life grows and that's exactly what we do in labs also right so we have different species of i don't know bacteria, viruses and uh, even large animals we put them in different environments and see how it grows like how it reproduces multiplies how the environmental factors affect in it
1: yep. yep. so yeah it's a there's a good reason i can for... see the i can see the darkness uh, yeah. <laughs> seeping in <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> So we could just be there. Uh, their petri dish experiments yeah.
1: <laughs> pretty crazy if you think about
0: it yeah and that's actually the reason for the simulation hypothesis too so I think you're aware of it simulation where um, yeah. yeah, we're just all a part of simulation and the major uh, backlash that we get is uh, I mean that this hypothesis gets it why would anyone w- want to do that and it's probably because they want to see how life evolves. Or like, if if life is itself a self has a self-destructing feature, because we wage wars, we have nuclear bombs, we could kill each other. So, probably to see how it evolves and how a perfect society should lead. So it's just good to just put it all in a simulation.
1: Mm, yeah, makes sense. I mean, there's arguments for both pro and con of that. I mean, for and against that. that kind of reminded me of this one more thing have you heard of Conway's Game of Life? I'm not sure if we've spoken about that before
0: Uh, I don't think we've spoken about it but I have heard about it and I've played that also like you get this online tool
1: it's pretty cool yeah yeah exactly yeah so I'm just gonna spell it out for anyone who hasn't heard of it so basically it was this simple game uh, that this mathematician John Conway created And it's basically a 2D grid and each square in the grid is a cell and uh, a cell can be alive or dead. So what happens is you basically select a few cells to be alive at the start of it. And upon each iteration, the cells around like every cell either comes alive or dead. And that happens based on certain rules. For example, if you're surrounded by three or more cells, uh, alive cells, then you die from overcrowding. Whereas, if you're surrounded by two or three living cells, then you'll come to life. And for any other cell that's surrounded by dead cells, nothing happens to it. Something like that. Some simple rules. And so basically, each iteration, you look at each cell and decide whether it comes alive in the next iteration or not. And it keeps going on that way. So each iteration produces a new pattern of live cells based on whatever you started off with. And different patterns keep producing different things and some of them die out eventually after four or five iterations or ten or twelve iterations or twenty thirty iterations they may die out but there are some patterns which continue living like for example some of them just uh, you know uh, alternate between two designs back and forth and achieve some saturation but there are some other uh, designs that people have come up with that kind of produce life societies and basically it's like that pattern grows, develops, moves on to a different part of the grid, produces more cells, grows more, develops. So in a way, it's kind of reproducing. So the goal of a lot of research has been to find more patterns like that. And the whole idea is that with a 2D game with some simple rules, if we can find something that starts off randomly, and is able to produce and reproduce and survive and expand, then the same thing happen, can happen with the 3D universe also. With some physical, simple physical and biological laws, the same thing can happen. Can happen. Life can randomly sprout from one of the designs and evolve and expand and you know uh, adapt to its surroundings and produce a living, thriving civilization. So if you haven't checked it out, just Google Conway's Game of Life and try to start off with some random patterns and see how they develop through the iterations. It's a pretty interesting concept and and anyone who I've had this conversation with always found this pretty fascinating. So I'm sure you'll find it interesting as well.
0: Yeah, that, that was pretty wild actually. The first time I heard about it and I actually tried it. So it was crazy. It just shows you how just very simple rules can create civilizations on Conway's Game of Life yeah 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 so I, I, I'll leave a link of that down in the description you can check it out
1: yep that would be good
0: yes okay so I think it was a really great discussion especially on the notions of justice the idea of spanspermia Conway's Game of Life so I think we'll end it here feel free to leave your thoughts and comments down below if you're on youtube and if you're listening to us on other platforms like google podcast apple podcast or spotify you can reach out to us on instagram at curiosity so thanks for listening and have a good
1: one